have tuned into the first episode of the Video Game Pals, the Comics Pals' new video game-themed podcast, where uh, every week we get together to talk about the news, video games, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, here with uh, my co-hosts, Sean Bartley, Andy Brown, and Robert Thompson. You guys may recognize me and Sean over from our show, The Comics Pals, which I'm assuming you've heard of if you're checking out this one. Uh, or you may know me, Andy, and Thompson over from our former show, The Slackcast, over on my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash. Um, this is kind of a spiritual successor to that show. We'll be now um, weekly over here on The Comics Pals, so um, say hi, everybody. Hello, I'm Sean, and I'm very, very excited to be doing this podcast about video games. Don't get to talk about video games nearly as much as I would like to, and... I don't get to talk about comic books nearly as much as I would like to, which is why we started the Comics Pals. So I'm excited to be doing this as well. Hi, I'm Andy. I'm coming over from the Slack cast. Um, you may know me from my rap breakdowns and being Pete's ever-present co-host and antagonist. <laughs> I'm here to take pot shots at water Pokemon and make Pete want to kill me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty uh, much your MO. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm Thompson. I'm here from the Slackcast also. I'm here to back up Andy when he needs it and also defend Pete sometimes. Um, you just gotta have a fine balance like the Force, and people say I'm, I'm here to, to balance it, but I'm here to destroy it, so. <laughs> you were my brother, Thompson! <laughs> so, my question is, which one of us has the high ground, though? Uh, Pete usually does. I'm just gonna Boom. say right there, you know, because Andy's usually taking stabs. On my screen right now, it's Thompson and Sean have the high ground. <laughs> well, I haven't destroyed my honor yet by attacking any war Pokemon yet, so. <laughs> so if this is your first time with uh, either of our shows, um, you know, this is going to be kind of a weekly video game discussion where we'll talk about the news and then kind of like a meaty topic of the show where we'll talk about anything ranging from like censorship in games to some of our favorite, you know, games of all time, stuff like that. Uh, but for this first episode, we're going to have um, kind of a, a short news conversation and then kind of focus on uh, our own personal gaming histories and origins so you guys can get a, a sense of what kind of games we like to play and whether you can take any stock in our opinions or not. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we're going to kick off the show the way we normally do by talking about what we're playing this week. So um, I'll, I'll start off there. Um, so I've been uh, in a pretty heavy workload lately. Um, like I said at the top of the show, uh, this show is kind of coming out of the end of uh, me, Andy, and Thompson's YouTube channel, Slack and Slash. So I've been focusing a lot on like video editing and kind of wrapping that stuff up the last couple weeks. But um, I've been playing a good amount of League of Legends. Uh, I've been kind of trying to crawl my way out of bronze the last couple weeks. And um, I just recently made my way up to bronze three. So I'm getting there. But uh, it's tough with that elo. I'm constantly getting stuck with people that are just like really negative, you know? And it's like as soon as something goes wrong, they're just ready to throw in the fucking towel. <laughs> and just it gets, uh, it, it, it devolves very quickly into, like, the worst parts of League of Legends where everyone's just calling each other names, and I end up telling someone to get kidney stones. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Dude, I, and, like, my my biggest thing about it is I'm always surprised how how upset people get when I say that. Like, I could tell them to get cancer, I could tell them to get fucked, but, like, when you say get kidney stones, they take it real personally. <laughs> So uh, beyond that, uh, I've been playing some Pokemon. Um, I uh, I've talked a good about a good a bit. 
excuse me, Jesus. I've talked a good bit about this on both of these shows about how I'm a big fan of competitive Pokemon playing. Um, and I always kind of stuck to like the singles OU smoking rules for the longest time. But uh, this year I've been trying to get into the VGC meta, which is like kind of the officially recognized like pro Pokemon stuff. It's like all double battles and stuff. Um, completely different rule set for the most part. So I've been getting into that and um, trying to like kind of get my, you know, my teeth cut on that meta. And uh, it's been a real challenge. It's it's a lot different. And, you know, like, the way that you build teams is totally different because, like, support Pokemon act in a really different way because you can have a Pokemon that is really unimpressive offensively that might be able to set someone else up in a cool way. So it's been fun to kind of just get challenged and get pushed outside of my comfort zone with that stuff. Um, Sean, I know you're a competitive Pokemon player. So have you ever done any VGC stuff? I've never done VGC. I have a friend who is trying to convince me to jump jump into it. Because we've always kind of played together in terms of the competitive gaming scene, uh, and this is just another one of those games that we've you know picked up over the last ten years or so and try to grind out. I love playing on Smogan, and uh, I always you know focused on the OU ladder just like you. I don't know if VGC is for me just because I really dislike doubles, uh, but there's a chance I might there's a chance I might jump into it. We'll see. Dude, give it give it a shot. That'd be fun. We could do it together. Yeah. Yeah. We'll both be bad. I'm, like, just starting <laughs> to get okay at it. Like, I have I have these two teams that I made, one of which is, like, super, super standard. Like, I just looked at, like, the top ten winning teams in the U.S. and European brackets and tried to, like, build a team based off what, you know, like, the ten or fifteen Pokemon they were using. But then I came up with this new team recently that's, like, super trolly, where basically... Did you guys all see, um... You know, like, they have the Z-moves this time around and everything, and, like, some of them yeah. have, like, like uh, Pokemon-specific Z-moves? Mm-hmm. So, for Eevee, uh, he has this one called Extreme Evo Boost, where he gets all of his stats get doubled by, like, he, he boosts them twice, right? Okay. So, uh, what I've done is I have this team where I use him and a Smeargle, I throw them out, I make it so that, like, the Smeargle, like, draws all the attention with moves like Follow Me or, like, Fake Out so that nobody can attack the Eevee. And then uh, I let the Eevee boost. I use Baton Pass to pull out a Crocodile and give him all the abilities. And then I throw out um, one of the legendaries, Tapu Lele, and use Psych Up to copy his stats. So then I have two Pokemon that are just, like, fully freaking boosted, and they just, like, steamroll everybody. <laughs> You're a monster. Baton Pass, man. Oof. Like, like, it's to the heart. It's the trolliest thing, and I love it. Because if, if you don't screw it up the first, like, if you don't stop me from doing it, it's it's almost impossible to deal with. That's very annoying. And, like, uh, Crocodile has this, uh, like, signature move called Last Resort, I think. And uh, it, it's, like, base power is based on how many stat boosts you have. So it's, like, it's base, like, 240 at that point. <laughs> so it just hits for, like, so much fucking damage. It's insane. <laughs> wow. It's pretty good, man. I mean, you're an asshole, but it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So. Basically. Uh, and then the other thing I, I played this week was um, Mario Kart 8 on the Switch came out. So I picked that up, and I had Andy over. Uh, his girlfriend Mary was over. We had a few of our other friends, and we played Mario Kart for, like, it was, like, six or seven hours, right? Yeah, it was a lot of Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. It was fun. Oh my god, yeah, it was great. It was like the first time I'd done that in a, in a while. Like, when the game first came out, um, if you guys are familiar, if you were viewers of the Slackcast, you'll remember a friend of the show, Mike McMahon. Uh, he, when he got it, we used to have, like, Mario Kart-y, Mario Kart-y, Mario Kart parties all the time at his place. And this was, like, the first time I'd really played the game in a while. Um, and it's just, it's so clearly the best in the series in my mind, like... I'm really excited to be back into it, and all the new content is, like, great. 
and getting all the DLC like right out the box is really cool. And there's more DLC coming, which is crazy. Yeah, I can't believe they're putting out more freaking content for that game. But I mean, it's smart, you know? Like, they're, uh, they they should want to make more money on it. And, like, this will be at least good for all the people that did have it on Wii U. Hopefully, like, there'll be enough substantial new stuff that they won't feel so burned by it. Oh, yeah. Like, I know Mike bought it, and he loves it. A uh, friend of the show, Mike McMahon, as he's frequently, frequently referred to, bought the game and all the DLC for his Wii U. And that was, like, the only thing that wasn't Smash that got played on his Wii U ever. So, uh, I guess I'll go next for what I've been playing. So, like Pete said, um, we played some Mario Kart the other night. I've been playing it on and off all weekend. But my big game for the past uh, several days is Persona 5. Nice. I bought it, jumped into it Thursday night, and I am 18 hours in. <laughs> so, just for the kids at home, we're recording this on a Monday, so yeah, that's a lot of Persona. This is being recorded on Monday. I've played almost a whole day out of the past five days in Persona. <laughs> and when you consider wow. the fact that you spent, like, what, a 10-hour shift at work yesterday, that's pretty yeah. impressive. <laughs> How is it? It's so good. Oh, my God. It, it might be the tightest JRPG I've ever played just on a mechanical level it's so fun to you know come up on a new enemy and fuck around trying to find its weakness um in persona and the shimigami tensei games there's like 10 different elements and a lot of the demons or personas or whatever you fight are weak to you know one element or another but a different one they'll resist or absorb it's a lot like pokemon in that sense and if you hit something's weakness or get a critical you knock it down and get to take another turn so persona 5 added this uh baton pass system so you can if you're close enough friends with a person in your party from doing like you know the social life stuff and hanging out with them if you get another turn say there's like five different enemies and only one of them is weak to an element you have you can knock it down and then pass your extra turn on to something that something else is weak to oh nice yeah it's it's super cool and god the soundtrack to that game is just like acid jazz out the wazoo (laughs) (laughs) it's on a presentational level i'm really interested in it like i i've never really played any of the persona games like i've seen them i've heard a lot about them but like just this one looks so like clean like i love all like the use of the reds and grays and everything oh yeah it's so sleek and stylish you know it's so like confidently designed because, I don't know, I feel like if it was any different, the like the level of stylish and like graffiti jazziness to it would come off as like weird and cloying. But because it's like so well done, it comes off as really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on that game eventually, man. Uh, it's like I have so many games burning a hole in my pocket right now. I definitely need to just not buy a 100 hour JRPG. That I'm not going to play, but... Um, 100. Only 100, you say. <laughs> yeah. Right. Knowing me, it'll take me, like, you know, 150, and I'll play well, it for, for the next six years. if you want to play it once, you know, yeah. and then not go through the school system three, four times. And, you I know, need to get the get true everything. ending. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Anything else, man? Or? Um, I mean, other than, you know, League and Heroes of the Storm, because I want that diva skin. Not really. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Heroes of the Storm, uh, Sean, you've been playing that lately, right? Yes, actually, just before we started recording this podcast, I was playing Heroes of the Storm. Ooh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm actually playing Heroes of the Storm right now. <laughs> really? We we gotta we gotta jump on there. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing that a lot. I started playing maybe a month and change ago, and I really really love that game. Uh, I never played League of Legends. I think I I think I played one match, and um, I played Dota when it was a Warcraft three mod. 
So yes. Oh wow. <laughs> very yes. Somebody else knows. Yes, man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very old school. I love the fact that you get to play as Warcraft characters. Um, that's the big draw for me. I love the Blizzard sort of universe of games. Uh, so being able to play as those characters is great, and I love that it's kind of streamlined from League of Legends and, and those other games. There are no items. Things like that kind of got removed. So I appreciate that about this game. Uh, it's just a blast. Other than that, I play World of Warcraft. I, I'm a raid leader in a pretty pretty good guild, so I spend a lot of time doing that. Wait, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Name drop. What's the guild? <laughs> uh, the guild's called Beyond the Flames. We're an alliance guild on Stormrage. Shout out! <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they never hear this. Um, <laughs> no, man, you gotta tell them. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. Anyway, um... That's a lot of fun. I spend a lot of my time in-game, but also, you know, doing the managerial stuff that comes with being a guild leader, so that's a lot of fun. And when I'm not playing those two games, I'm currently playing through, for the very first time, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, which has been a lot of fun. I'm very close to beating the game, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, dude, so, so like, you, um, and we talked a little bit about this, like, off-camera, but, um... So this is like your first real experience with the Legend of Zelda game, right? Yeah, I mean, I... Or not, not a... Or the isometric one. Yeah, I played, uh... Gosh, uh, the the one was it the Wind Waker? I th- I think for GameCube. On GameCube, yeah, yeah. I played yeah. that, and I didn't care for it too much. Uh, and that was really it for my experience with Legend of Zelda. But this one, like, I really love this, and I can't wait to beat it and then move on. And I, I really I want to play them all. So, so you've never even played like Ocarina or like for like a oh, minute. Man. Wow, yeah, that's crazy, man. The horrors of the water temple. <laughs> that's such a that's such a like fundamental experience for me, you know. Sure, I bet. I mean, uh, when so on the N sixty four, I spent my time playing Perfect Dark, uh, Pokemon Stadium, WWF WrestleMania two thousand, and games like that. So like, I I just didn't. I don't know. Like, I have I have siblings, so we would always play games together. I didn't really play a lot of solo games on, on right. That yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, like, I was an only child, so I played a lot of single-player games, you know? Like, I liked multiplayer games, but it was always just like, can I can I convince my dad to play this game with me? If not, then, like, I better hope that I have, you know, buddies right. that want to play it, you know? Otherwise, it's sitting on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think you could have convinced your dad to play WWF Wrestling 2000? Yeah. <laughs> I used to play, like, Crash Team Racing with my dad all the time. That was our multiplayer game. Oh, that's a good one. That's solid, yeah. That's my favorite kart racer for my money. Like, Mario Kart 8 might be better, but, like, CTR was the best for years in my book. So, anything else from you, Sean? That's it for me. Cool, cool. Yo, so you gotta you gotta check in with us, like, weekly and tell us what you're thinking about, uh, about Link to the Past, because, like, we all love that game. So, it's... I, I'm, like, I'm so jealous. Like, I wish I could experience it for the first time, you know? Like, that's such a... That's such a cool experience to have, and it's cool you get to have it as an yeah, adult. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I wouldn't... I didn't own a Super Nintendo back then, so getting to experience it now is pretty cool. Um, I, I get why everybody likes it. You know, like, I never... I, I could never nice. understand before what the hype was about regarding Zelda, uh, but that's mostly because I just didn't play it. Uh, so now that I am playing it, it's like, wow, I really get it. Uh, everything about the game is rewarding. Uh, those those moments where you see something and you can't really interact with it at that point, but then you get the item that allows you to interact with it and you recall, hey, I saw that thing. Let me go try it out. And then you get rewarded with a secret item or something like that. So it's it's a right. very, very fun game. With any luck, I will be done with it before the next time we record a podcast. 
Uh, and at, at that point, I'll probably move on to another another game in the Zelda series. So awesome, dude! I hope you do, man. It's so cool. I'm glad that you're like kind of doubling back and getting a chance to check them out because, like, I really do think that the Zelda games are something special. You know, I think it's really easy to put them up on a pedestal because most people kind of grew up with them or like they have some kind of like nostalgic uh, horse in that race. But I always love talking to people that haven't played them as kids and are playing them as adults and are like really getting into it you know yeah yeah it's just it's classic gaming you know there's yep. a magic to them you know like they presentationally they really they feel good yeah, absolutely all right so thompson what about you this week all right so it's a big one i got a new computer recently and i decided like why the fuck not play everything um <laughs> I'm just looking through my Steam library before, and I have 226 games, which probably about 100 of them I've hit. So I'll just give you a few. Every Total War game, um, you know, that's like five of the Total Wars. Age of Empires 2, remember that shit? Age of Mythology. Um, Age of Mythology is my jam, dude. Yeah. No. Uh, Supreme Commander 1 and 2, uh, Men of War 1 and 2 for Dunn, all the fucking 40k games I have for Warhammer, so like... Battlefleet Gothic and all th all thirty six people left playing that game. Yeah. Okay. Wait. You know, actually, I checked it the other day. We were down to twenty five. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, I've been playing Heroes of the Storm. Um, that's been huge since they put the twenty heroes out. Because uh, like I got seventeen free heroes for that, and coming from someone who played the game for like two years, like that's that's still pretty fucking good. I think <laughs> just for free. Starcraft came out again. It, the remaster isn't out yet, so I've sink way more time than I need to into that. Um, PlayStation I haven't touched in a while, but I did pick up Final Fantasy X last night, just because, uh, 10, um, 15, because oh. I wanted to, uh, you know, like, I got to, like, what, level 80 when I played that game, and then I just was like, oh, shit, I forgot to play it for, like, two months, so. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. Like, I got to chapter, like, 14. Like, I'm already almost done oh, with man. the game. No, I got to, like, chapter... 10 whenever you go like you know to the second area i don't want to like spoil anything if someone didn't play it but i don't know um i just got way too high of a level in that game i grinded for like five days straight just because i said fuck it but probably shouldn't have done that um so i'm trying to go back and like get that done yeah man i, I remember like literally like on the slack cast for like two weeks and you know i tried to convince you to move on in that game because you were just like no man i just want to stay in this first area and like get nine nine of every <laughs> item and get like you know I did. Up, to, up to a good level but it's i like, did do that <laughs> and then you just like steamrolled like 75 yeah. percent. oh my game. god in one night i went from chapter uh three to like eight in like in like six <laughs> hours flat i was like because every like boss fight you know, they're like, oh shit, a boss, and I would like two-shot it, and I was like, oh, okay, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> so, that's cool, but yeah, whatever. So, I'm trying to, like, you know, the game's starting to finally become hard again. I I think I'm probably in, like, chapter, like, 11 or something, so. Okay. I don't know. That's cool. Like, I like I almost died once. That was fun. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, I just, like, wasn't paying attention, and I'm like, oh, you know, this this could actually be hard again. Cool. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really it, man. Like, everything in my Steam library is up for grabs now, so about 100 games I've tried and that's really it man I've played 101 <laughs> games this week you know? <laughs> that's why I'm trying Probably to shorten it we... you know cause it's like it's a huge fucking list you know I'm like looking through the recently played and it just goes on and on I'm like oh fuck I'll just pick a few <laughs> and now you gotta right, start playing good. Zelda on your Nintendo Switch oh god yeah right <laughs> hey that was fun the 10 minutes I played with Beat on uh, Breath of the Wild I like ran around and whacked things with a stick and then like fell in water or something like but it was fun <laughs> I mean that's like really all I did <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's all you need to do for that game to be fun. They that's like, like loose. 
the purest experience of Breath of the Wild is like run around for ten minutes, hit a thing with a stick, pet a dog, ride a horse. I mean, Pete told me on it, like when before we played it, he said, "Hey, you know, you could like from the beginning of the game when you start, just like go to Ganon and like say fuck everything else." I was yeah. like, "Well, this so like you could just like take a stick and go fight him." He's like, "Yeah." I mean, like, you I'm can. Gonna try. <laughs> you won't make it. That doesn't matter. I'm going to really. <laughs> I, I don't. I know people yeah. have, but just like, oh my god, those guardians outside Hyrule Castle are fucking so hard. Oh yeah, dude! Like the the world speedrun record for it right it's now like is hour, like it's right? like it's like it's like thirty minutes or something. Oh god, it's like you get through the the opening tutorial where you get all the the powers and the Sheikah slate, and then you just can run right to Ganon. Um, That's yeah, the, ridiculous. The way you can make it down to a half hour is if you use an amiibo and you uh, scan in Epona, then you can get there in like thirty minutes and beat the oh, game. Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But okay, That's you fucking be, incredible. You have to be a fucking badass. Like, I, I saw a lot of people who were like, oh, I can't believe you can beat the game in 30 minutes. It's like, yeah, but you could also take 500 hours, and unless you're, like, fucking video game Jesus, you're not gonna go beat Ganon with three hearts and a <laughs> stick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get some decent gear, like, in the castle. Yeah, but you There's, need like, some chests to... right inside the door, but yeah, you need a stick to get in. You gotta, like, fight the guardians and get in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but then right away you'll get, like, a couple really good item drops. But yeah, it's like, you still have three hearts and die in one shot. So you have to, like, Dark Souls that shit and not take any hits at all. Nice. <laughs> I'm down for the challenge, man. Like, once I, you know, try to get that game. <laughs> Super Dark Souls that shit. Naked Link with a stick. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, it wasn't hard enough. Fuck yeah. I applaud them for putting that in. For for allowing you to do that if you want to. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, that's, what's, that's what is so good about Breath of the Wild. It's like, it... it it really kind of kneecaps the big problem people have had with Zelda in the recent years, um, you know, which is just, like, being too handholdy, and it's like, it doesn't hold your hand at all. It really barely tells you how to do anything. That's great. So, that wraps it up for what we've been playing this week, so uh, that means we're going to be moving on to our next segment, the Random Question of the Week! <laughs> Went all the way with that one. <laughs> Yeah, well, I realized that I forgot to say it's time for the, so I was like, all right, I gotta, like, really fucking make this, this go at the end here. <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, take the lead on this one, and I'm gonna ask you guys, what, who is your favorite character to pick in a fighting game? Any fighting. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, start breaking out of sweat over here. <laughs> can we give, can we give, like, a, can we give, like, a top three? So that it's not like we don't have to like worry about too much about which game we're uh, picking from. I, no, I, I think that's a cop out. I think your your number oh, one favorite right. character <laughs> in a fighting game. Okay, all right. Um, I'm like yeah. really torn between two characters right <laughs> I now. I don't play a lot of fighting games, so I'll go first while you guys consider. Yeah, go for it. Uh, my favorite character to pick in any fighting game is going back to uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Okay. <laughs> I know where this is going. The motherfucking Flash. Oh yeah. I'm fucking traumatized from that. So, <laughs> the Flash in Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, his uh, quarter circle back, uh, I think it's like a quarter circle back square on an Xbox controller, or X square on the PlayStation controller. He runs around the world and punches his opponent in the back of the head. And I'm not very good at fighting games, but I can do a quarter circle and hit one button. And that moves really hard to block. So, I perfected Pete once just using that one move. He got so mad. 
hit once. It happened oh, multiple times. <laughs> it was like a whole. It was like it was like three or four matches in a row. Where I was like, "What do I do?" <laughs> I ended up. I ended up realizing that if you do like, I I always used to play Batman or Scorpion. So I I realized if you did Scorpion's teleport, you could teleport behind him afterwards and punch him. Or if I was Batman, I could do, like, the jump throw the batarang and hit him. But, like, it was a bitch. <laughs> it's a good pick. Um, ah, shoot, man. Okay, so I w- I'm really torn between going with Link in the Super Smash Brothers series or Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, but I'm going to go with Scorpion because, um, I mean, like, I'm I'm also not very good at fighting games, but, like, Scorpion has pretty much had the same moveset like, in almost every game, or at least, like, a lot of the core, like, really important moves are pretty similar. So, like, I've gotten pretty comfortable with him in all my years of playing Mortal Kombat, and, like, that's the one character in the only fighting game, aside from MVC2, which I have video evidence that I beat Thompson in. You did, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, the only character that I can ever put up a fight in, in, like, against serious players. You know, like, when we play with everyone we know, and, like, we have, like, a tournament kind of setting... Scorpion's one of the only characters I can never, like, edge myself out in, so, um, and when they put him, or, or not put him in, but, uh, him in Mortal Kombat versus DCU was kind of, like, the, the one character that I was able to beat all the really cheap, broken shit in that <laughs> game with. <laughs> like the Flash. Yes. So, yeah, I'll give it to cool. Scorpion. Also, one of the only villains I really like. Like, I love him, and he's a villain. Who? Which one? Scorpion. Like, he's one of the only oh, villain oh, characters yeah. I really, really love. I mean, he's not, like, not that bad of a guy. Come on. <laughs> oh. He's kind of a shithead. <laughs> it's only like a flaming skullhead man or whatever. Um, I don't remember which character I was playing when we did Marvel vs. Capcom 3, because uh, you have three on the team, obviously. Um, but the, the time that I made Spaz throw your controller, uh, because I got a perfect on him and he was playing a Matarasu... <laughs> Yes. Whoever I did that with, um, I'd have to go for that one. But I don't even know who it is. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't really remember that day because I just made him scream so much and it was so funny. But uh, <laughs> besides that, I can give it to Ermac from Mortal Kombat. Like, I guess nine or ten, or it doesn't really matter. Uh, especially because every one of you guys has basically said you can't play Ermac and it's like okay I'll go play Smoke and then you're like you can't play Smoke and it's like <laughs> ah, okay so like I have to go with Ermac because that's where it started so it just I, I love the fact that you can telekinesis grab anything and slam people around and it's just fucking it's just a nasty thing to do but you know whatever I mean it's whatever I got I got a perfect on Spaz and something and that was that was the quintessential moment of like favorite characters but I really don't remember who it was at the time, so shit. <laughs> probably uh, you always used to play as Dante. It's probably Dante. Oh, you know what? It was probably Trish actually. Cause oh I used yeah, because he he would, he would always uh, Spaz would just do forward B in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, which was the dogs. Uh, you know, my Russie's like bark thing that like went forward. It was like a little uh, like edge, like you could yeah. just like and he you just could, like just... kneecap people and, because they can't yeah. low block in that and game. And he would win like one game, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so fucking good." And it's like, dude, you hit one button like a thousand times. <laughs> he's like, "No, I'm I'm good." And it's like, "All right, fuck you, Spaz. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna win." And I remember you could get Trish to get into the corner, do all the stupid like things you throw, and like you know, as soon as he tried to switch, you just get him stuck in the air, and then he'd switch again, keep getting him stuck. And after like the first two characters were down, he stood up and just threw your controller. <laughs> so. 
when Injustice 2 comes out next week, can you please yeah. body spaz with Aquaman? Yeah, I'll, <laughs> you tell me a character, I will try to learn them, and I will just ruin Spaz's life. Because that is that brings me a joy that you don't understand. <laughs> so what about you, Sean? So, there are a lot of ways I can go with this. I play a lot of fighting games, and I have for the last like 25 years. But nothing in this world of video games has ever pleased me more than being able to body people with the Phoenix in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Oh, nice. Anyone who listens to the Comics Palace or knows me knows that Jean Grey is my favorite comic book character of all time. Grey's Bay. That's right. And so (laughs) being able to beat people up with her is the best feeling in the world. And that's my pick. I mean, it's just nothing was more fun than that. Uh, I got a lot of shit for it from all my friends, and uh, I relished every single moment of picking her. So yeah, Jean Grey. I should have guessed that. <laughs> I actually pick um, the Clay from Clay Fighter. Oh shit! <laughs> Shaq. What from about Shaq uh, Killer Instinct back in the day? That was a good oh, one. I pick Raptor from Killer Instinct. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Fulgore. That um, was my man. You guys uh, remember? What was it? Bloody Rage? The bloody one where you were yeah. people that turned into giant... Oh, Bloody oh Roar. God, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Turned into, like, giant animal monsters, and you built up enough anger. Uh, I pick I pick the robot with the boombox from Boombots on the PlayStation oh 1. God. Oh, my God. Did you guys ever play that? It was, like, a terrible yes. clay fighter. It was That's awful. a game. It was so good. <laughs> I picked the cat uh, alien. I picked Chun-Li. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Crash from Crash Bash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raiden from PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Oh, I love that. Now game. you're talking. Uh, you know what? I was gonna say yeah, I love that. Game. That's an underrated game, right there. I also really loved that game, and Raiden was my boo. He was so ridiculous. You Yo, remember we that gotta... weekend we were like, our band was in the studio, and we just spent the whole weekend playing that. Yeah, we like um, we cause like we were huge Smash guys. You know, like we would play yeah. Smash every time we had band practice. We went to go like start tracking our our album, um, which you can go check out on Spotify every day. Political Party Crashers. Um, but yeah, we were tracking our album. We brought our Wii and we didn't even use it because our trombone player was like, "Guys, I brought my PS3. You guys down to try the PlayStation game?" And we liked it so much, we went and bought controllers. She's <laughs> like, "We gotta get four players going on this. This is ridiculous." <laughs> There's some weird third-party representation in that game, too. Like, Big Daddy was there for some reason from yeah, Bioshock. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he was fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, all the characters are solid, but it, was, it yeah. was just, like, very clearly they couldn't get some of the characters they wanted or needed, and it's like, um, um. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't afford Crash Bandicoot. Spyro is a Skylander now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't bring that up. <laughs> Uh, all right, cool. So um, now I guess it's time to move over to our next segment. I'm not going to rap. No, we're just going to put a soundbite in here. Yeah, we're going to cut a bumper. <laughs> so we've got five items on the list today, uh, the first of which is a rumor that comes hot off of uh, – well, it comes hot from Twitter from uh, Jason Schreier over at Kotaku. who uh, He was asked about the next Batman game currently being made by uh, Warner Brother Games. Um, and, uh, he's got some news about it. So he was asked by, uh, John Boy, DC Comics on Twitter, uh, at Jason Trier, any scoop about the new Batman game from WB Games Montreal? Is the game being unveiled at E3? And Jason said, I wouldn't get your hopes up too much for that one yet. Last I heard, it was rebooted. Hmm. So, yeah, um. That's weird. Kind of surprising. Yeah, I mean, Arkham Knight came out, what, 
like oh two years ago at this point i was in college when it oh came wow out. yeah so it was a while ago yeah um so i mean like that was the last one right yeah 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 um i didn't but, play any of them yet so well you can skip that one <laughs> right okay <laughs> oh, yeah. um first two are absolute master classes in gaming i love rocksteady but i was not a fan of arkham knight the the batmobile was just terrible um, but anyway, you don't uh, like Batmobile tanks? No, I, I wanted to play Batman, not World of Tanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, WB Montreal was uh, the team behind Arkham Origins, which uh, was kind of the in-between game that they had between um, City and Night when there was kind of a delay there. Not a lot of people played it. A lot of people got flat, uh, gave it some flack. But Andy, you were like a really big fan of that game, right? Uh, which game? Sorry, uh, Arkham Origins. Oh, Arkham Origins, loved it. Um. It did some weird stuff where the um, the like gadgets and stuff from Arkham City were all still there despite it being a prequel. <laughs> right. But um, I think it's the best story in any of the Arkham games, and the gameplay is just as tight as it always has been. I think it catches an unfair amount of flack for not being made by uh, Rocksteady, but I really love that game. The boss fights are so cool. Like, if every boss fight in Arkham City was on the level of Mr. Freeze. That's, like, what Arkham Origins wow. is. Nice. High praise. I mean, like, that's that's one of the most memorable parts of City, in my mind. So, oh, God, yeah. That Freeze fight is crazy. But, yeah, so, I mean, um, that same team has been working on kind of the next game in the Arkham franchise, whatever it is, uh, for, I mean, like, uh, seemingly, like, two years, I guess. You know, like, I have to imagine, you know, Pre-Pro probably took a year and everything, but, um, you know, they had to be a decent way into development on this if they're rebooting it. So, I don't know what that means. I wonder, is, you know, is WB Montreal still the team behind it? You know, or did they have to go back to the drawing board for some kind of creative reason? Like, um... I mean, I would love to be a fly on that wall and, you know, know what's going on there because I really enjoyed that game. But also, it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, comics pals, <laughs> but it, it's starting to feel like Batman's sort of cultural moment in the sun is kind of coming to a close. <laughs> we talked yeah. about that on the on the comics pals a couple weeks ago, yeah. Um, I agree, absolutely. I think, like, Batman's utter, like, cultural dominance is, you know... It's, yeah, it's like, on its way out. He, he's still Batman. He's still going to matter, but yeah, it, not in the way he traditionally has for our generation. I, I think. think he's. I think he's yeah. a movie away from being right back where he was. I don't really. I don't. I don't put a ton of of emphasis on that idea because at the end of the day, his last movie appearance, a lot of people didn't like Batman vs Superman, and then The Dark Knight Rises, a lot of people felt it just wasn't as good as The Dark Knight. So I think. You know, you get out a movie on par with The Dark Knight, or not on par, because you're probably not going to get anything close to that for a little while, but you get out a movie that's good, that gets some good feedback that people enjoy, and Batman will be right back up there. Yeah, that's true. I think I don't think it's like he's, uh, good. like you said, he's always going to be Batman. He's always going to be relevant. But, um, yeah, I think as, like, the DC movies offerings have kind of failed him, and, like, the Marvel stuff has done well... Like, we see more and more kids, you know, that are... Like, when, I, when we were kids, it was like, Batman was it. You know, like, every little kid loved Batman. And nowadays, I see a lot of little kids in Captain America costumes, Iron Man costumes, and stuff like that, so... Hey, he's Captain Hydra now. <laughs> Captain Hydra. Yeah, I forgot all about that. No. Thanks. 
Uh, you can you can listen. We actually are. I think our last episode of the comics file. We talked all about that. Go check out Nick Nick Spencer and yes. Escapism, uh, episode twenty six. I think it was. But yeah, so I, I think that like interests in superheroes are also just kind of broadening. So yeah, I mean, this could be the kind of thing that would I think really bring a major wave of interest in Batman back is if this comes out and it's stellar. You know, if it's another great Arkham sure. game. I mean, if you look at if you look at interest in Batman in like ninety what, ninety seven, ninety eight, to the time that the Dark Knight came out, like he wasn't really that popular then either because the two yeah. movies that, that came out in that time period were horrible. Batman Begins was great, but like who went to see it? There you know, just no one was really talking about him. And then the Dark Knight came out and he took over the world. So I wouldn't be a prisoner of the moment. I would acknowledge history and recognize that he's a, he's that character, unlike Superman or any of these other ones, that once a movie comes out that's good, everybody loves Batman again. Yeah. Well, he's hey, an easy I'd sell. say the same of Superman. Nah, man. <laughs> it's just there hasn't been no. a good Superman movie since Superman 2, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the one where he throws the plastic or the cellophane S off his chest That's at the guy? That's that one. Yeah, so like, <laughs> that is the good one then, too. I, I, I agree I with you. I love yeah. Grant Morrison's like cheesy obsession with Silver Age Superman. I agree um, yeah. with it. Silver yeah, Age Superman fine. is goofy and fun, and like New Superman's great, too. And why in the world did anyone think Zack Snyder's Superman would be a good movie? <laughs> I no enjoy idea. Man of Steel, but this is the video game, pals. I know. <laughs> But I want to stand up for Superman. Let's just talk about Injustice. It comes out next week. It, it counts. Andy, we got to have you on when we do our Superman special so that you can uh, team up with Phil to talk about how good Graham Morrison and Superman are. Also, Pete, you need to have Andy over to the house when I am present so we can do an Injustice uh, battle between us. I would love to do that. Thompson as well. Oh, yeah. Dude, Thompson, oh, yeah. Th- I want to see you and Thompson go head to head because it's like no. a, a Pal's Network yes. Injustice stream. It combines yeah. the two shows. Yeah, I I really want to try and do that. It's, it comes out in like a week yep. or two, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll have news about that in the coming weeks if we can pull it off. Um, but all right, so moving right along. Um, next item on the list is uh, we have an update on Persona Five and Atlas's uh, policy about streaming it. So Atlas has apologized for the aggressive tone of their original post about streaming. Uh, stating, quote, it was never our intention to threaten people with copyright strikes, but we clearly chose the wrong tone how to communicate this, unquote. Um, you know, by, like, saying that they will that they will copyright strike you. We never meant to threaten it. We just said we would do it. Um, in addition, they moved back the in-game date that they would like streamers to stop at from 7-7 to 11-8, which is, quote, uh, right as the story gears up for its last act. So, yeah, so now instead of, like, I think that 7-7 is, like, about a halfway point in the game uh, from what I understood beforehand. Um, now they're kind of just asking that uh, streamers or Let's Players don't show off, like, the very end of the game. Um, but I, I feel like this is really weird because, I mean, like, they definitely they definitely threatened that that was what they were going to do in the first place. Like, no question. All right, so, like, let's let's call, let's, you know, let's, let's be real here. But my question is, so now that they're saying, like, we're not. It was not our intention to threaten that. So what does that mean if you go past that date? Like, does anything happen? Like, are they just going to send you a, a, a tweet like, "Hey, could you just please take that down?" Like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I just feel like this whole thing is so weird. And then like they've made it even weirder now by like trying to take the teeth out of it. Yeah, it's it's really weird, especially since they they ask you to like move they they move the the part of the game back where they don't want you to stream past or show or anything 
And then they said, well, we don't want to even like, you know, threaten you with anything either. So it, it's, it's completely pointless now. Like, I don't understand. I mean, like it, it, it's not bad to like respectfully ask someone to not spoil something. Sure. But, um, to like go, like you said, take the teeth out of it and like go back and, and just like apologize, but then say they weren't doing that anyway. And then also move it to like right at the end. It's pretty much like a moot point now. They should have just been like, we retract the whole thing. Sorry. Yeah. And just, yeah. I, I totally I agree. It's, it's also it's really weird. like, you know, if you don't want spoilers, then you avoid watching a stream or you avoid, you know, clicking on an article that warns you that there are spoilers present. You know, them them trying to de- they're trying to defend people from themselves by doing this, and I don't really think that that makes any sense. Uh, people that want to play Persona or people who are invested in the story, they'll watch the stream and then go play the game, or they'll watch the stream because they don't play the game, but they're interested in where the story is going. Uh, historically, streams have been really good for for all kinds of games. You look at like Five Nights at Freddy's. I got into that game because of some of the stuff that YouTubers did with that game and streams and things like that. Um, it's just weird. It just doesn't. It doesn't really make any sense to me to come down on the community who are promoting your game for free. Yeah, it just feels like a very antiquated policy. You know, it's like it. It. it, it I think it speaks true to the fact that like. I think a lot of, like, Jap- Japan just, just doesn't have the same kind of culture around, like, gaming that we do, like, in the exact same way, like, Let's Plays and streams and stuff are just really not uh, as big of a thing over there, and, like, I think it kind of speaks to the way that, like, some of these Japanese companies handle stuff like this, like, the fact that Atlas is doing this, or, like, that Nintendo, like, takes percentage of YouTubers' money and stuff like that, like, if they use their games for, for Let's Plays and stuff, it just, like... It's not a very... It feels like a very anti-consumer move, but, like, for no reason, you know? Like, it, it creates controversy around what are otherwise just really good games that people want to play and celebrate. It's very, uh... It's just strange. Yeah, it's, like, a little out of touch. Yeah, that's, I think, the easiest way to put it. Um, But, I mean, whatever. I guess good on them for responding, but, like, it feels like a little bit too little too late, you know? But all right, so moving right along, uh, we're going to get into some Nintendo news. Uh, so Nintendo has announced um, that they're going to be putting out a new version of the 2DS called the 2DS XL that launches uh, in July 28th uh, for $150 at retail. And uh, it will have all of the features of the new 3DS, so that's improved processor, uh, C-Stick, Amiibo support, um, but all 3D removed. So no slider or any of that stuff. And it will also uh, sport a clamshell design. So unlike the original yeah, 2DS, yeah. it can actually like close... Um, and it's, like, a really sleek, like, nice little u- unit, you know? Like, it's very thin, uh, really, like, cool, like, kind of, like, sexy color schemes. Uh, I'm I'm into it. Oh, my God. You know what this is? It's the Game Boy Advance SP of 3DSs. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. I mean, I guess you're right, honestly. Like, it's uh, it's pretty nice. You know, it's, like, for 150 bucks. I feel like that's a, a really solid asking price. You know, if you're like me and you've got the original 3ds and like maybe you want to you know get like an upgrade to like the nicer quality and you know experience some of the exclusives or play your super nintendo games on the go or whatever um that seems like a great price point and if you for some reason have been sleeping on the 3ds all this time you know uh it's a pretty great time to jump in at this point you know get it spend 900 hours playing rpgs I mean, the improved processor alone is, like, worth it. Uh, the only thing I ever wanted from my 3DS was to have that, that new feature, you know, like, with the 
Pokemon Sun and Moon when it came out. You know, like I saw on um, Jared's uh, 3DS or whoever had the new one. I think he he had it right. Pretty much everyone that's not us has it. Yeah, and like he just like I remember we'd load a thing side by side, and he's like, "Okay, I'm done," and I'm like, 20 seconds later, "All right." So yeah. like, that'd be nice. It's a nice little quality of life. If you don't have a 3DS, you like you wouldn't have missed it. But I mean, like you said, like it's a good thing to jump on. And the clamshell design, man. Like, come on. The only thing that sucked about the 2DS was the fact that it was this like flat piece of like crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like very much made for kids, you know. Yeah, it, it like reminded me of one of those like leapfrog tablets or something. It's like, yep. oh, yeah, here's my first little handheld. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I mean, my only like qualm with this is I feel like when we're in this current like situation where there's like a shortage with switches, like people want switches and they can't get them. It's like a little weird to me that they have this going on. There's the rumor that they're going to be doing uh, the NES Mini successor, like a Super Nintendo Mini. Oh, so it's like. <laughs> Why are you diverting all your resources to make these things that are not Switches? Well, I mean, Nintendo also always markets things like a toy company that they don't make enough on purpose to, like, keep demand up, so that has something to do with it. But That's it could sure. be, too, like, you know, if they sell more 2DS XLs, uh, maybe it uses less materials, and, you know, every... I'm just making this up, obviously, but, like, every 10 sold, you know, is another Switch we can get for more materials saved. So, like, maybe they're trying to push the smaller model because they want to do that, you know? It's also, like, stretch- I mean... It's also worth noting that, like, this is probably the last chance for them to do this, to make, yeah. like, a big push and try to make that last big lump sum of money on the 3DS, like, library and, you know, anyone who doesn't have one, anyone who's thinking of upgrading, and try to cash in one more time. And they has the Amiibo reader, and you know how Nintendo wants their Amiibos, so... <laughs> hey. Hey, don't bad mouth Amiibos. We'll fight, the- we'll fight you. Yeah, I'm an Amiibo. No, this that's is... what I'm saying. You know how Nintendo wants you to have your Amiibos, right? So having the new 2DS XL with the the reader in it is just positive for them, you know? With the Switches being sold, too. Like you said, you could take your the one thing in Breath of the Wild and put it in, right? Yep. They expect you to have those already, so to sell a thing that's new without that, like the 3DSs that people would be getting, you know, the ones that you and I have, Pete, it's like, if you're into that stuff, this is good for you. I don't have any, but whatever. Well, right, but it's like because you don't have a thing that uses them, you know. Right. So it's like if you have these, yes, yeah, I can see the use of it for sure. Yeah, the other thing is Nintendo finally is getting some good press, and I think that this coupled with the Switch, you know, now they've got some stuff on the market. Well, this isn't out yet, but it will be soon. That people really want to get, uh, you know, Wii U didn't really didn't really set the world on fire. Uh, Switch is doing great right now. And I think you 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 hit them with the one two punch. You've got the new 2DS. That's going to get people really excited. People who don't have it yet, uh, like you said, Pete, there there is that library of games that, uh, you know, someone who doesn't have it yet, there's so much there to play. So I think this is a, I think this is a smart move at absolutely the right time. Yeah, good move. All right. So next little bit of Nintendo news is. Um... Nintendo will not be holding a traditional E3 press conference this year, as a lot of people thought they would, um, saying, quote, We will not be hosting a large-scale press conference for in- for institutional investors, analysts, and the media. Uh, this comes from uh, Nintendo's president, Tatsumi Kimishima. The company hasn't held a press conference at E3 for the past two years either, uh, opting instead to go for, like, a Nintendo Direct um, and uh, having the Treehouse live stream throughout, like, the entire weekend. So this really shouldn't come as any major surprise, I don't think. But uh, I think with, you know, the announcement of the Switch and all the positive momentum that that had going, I think a lot of people were kind of expecting Nintendo to go back to that kind of classic approach that we've seen. 
But um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised by this personally. As someone who follows Nintendo pretty closely, you know, I think the directs have been something that's worked for them the last two years at E3. It's something that they've gotten really comfortable doing over the last few years, just as like the main means of communicating with their audience. And as we saw with the Nintendo Switch event uh, earlier this year, uh, they're not so great at doing these live shows. You know, things go wrong. Um, they have issues with translators. You know, when it's an international event. Uh, and it's, I'm sure it costs a hell of a lot more money too. So like when you have this thing that already works in the Nintendo direct and you can control your message and talk directly to the people that already, you know, want to hear from you. I mean, it just seems like it makes more sense for what they're doing, you know? Yeah. I think it's good for them too. I mean, you know, like they, they really do get to like set their own pace this way too. Like the, like you said, you know, it's like a good time to put the, the 2DS XL out. It really makes them stand on their own, you know, like. They do their own conferences. They have all their stuff put out. You know, people are paying attention to them now, and you have to go to like their thing rather than E3. So it really just makes them look like you know they're standing on their own two feet better. I think keeping the directs going is a way for them to say like, yes, we we can pull it off. Like we're we don't need any other like group to represent us. We can do it ourselves, and it just makes them look good, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially like that's kind of been what Nintendo's been doing like ever since the N sixty four is like increasingly kind of making themselves more insular and more isolated yeah. from, like, the competition. So, like, I don't think that they should try to compete. You know, like, they are they kind of always do their own thing. On the other hand, um, to come in and play devil's advocate here, I think that the hope from a lot of people was sort of that with the Switch and with the focus on games they seem to show earlier this year as opposed to the Wii U's focus on like, oh, you can use it, you know, for mobile play or whatever. And like the horrible messaging of the Wii U and the Wii was that Nintendo was going to maybe come back to being a more traditional game company that focused on more traditional like core gamers. I mean, do you think that this means they're not doing that, though? I don't I don't think this means they're not doing that. Um I think that them holding a press conference would have been um a like a big step in showing that they're doing that for a lot of people. Like mm. I don't really care. I enjoy the directs. But I I understand the people who are, you know, who thought they were going to be going back to the the traditional model and are a little disappointed that they aren't. What do you think, Sean? So I think that the directs are great. I think it's a, I think it it's the best way for Nintendo to deliver their message because quite frankly, a lot of their E three presence in the past has been weird, and it just it's never been quite as good as what uh, Sony has done or what Microsoft has done. That being said, though, I haven't felt like Nintendo was speaking to me as a gamer in ten years, and if they if if they did hold an E3 press conference and they kept the momentum going that they have with the Switch right now and kind of blew us away with a great, great uh, conference, that might change my opinion. Um, but that doesn't mean that a Direct can't, I guess. It just means that I have low expectations of Nintendo speaking to me as a gamer, whereas a, if they did hold a press conference, that might have changed my perspective slightly. I think that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. And I guess I guess that's kinda like the the battle that that they as a company and like then the greater fandom is like finding themselves in is like what is like what do we want Nintendo to be, you know? And like I think I do feel like the Switch has been a return to focusing on core gamers in a lot of the ways that they've been marketing it and just like 
the stuff that they're pushing, you know? Like, yeah, like, 1-2-Switch came out, and that was, like, kind of their, you know, Wii Sports <laughs> analog or whatever, but, like, that's not the game they're really talking about, you know? Like, whenever I see Nintendo, like, they're talking about Zelda, they're talking about the indies, you know, I'm, I'm hearing people talking about, like, Snake Pass and, you know, um, uh, the Shovel Knight DLC that's exclusive to Switch right now, and you know, um, like, like Mr. Splosion Man and stuff like that. And like all, all these like game games, you know, and we have Mario Kart out now and it's like the, it's the fastest selling Mario Kart release of all time. And, you know, there's, it seems like we're getting a lot of really like meaty game titles. So, you know, if Nintendo wants to keep doing their weird Nintendo shit from their marketing, but can give us, deliver us on software, that's fine with me, you know, yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair point. Uh, for me, ultimately, the only way I'm buying a Nintendo console again is when the Smash Brothers game is announced, and oh, that, that's the point where I will pick up all the games that I missed out on. But I have a Wii and a Wii U, the Wii U more than the Wii that is collecting dust. I have literally two games for it, mm. and I just never felt at any point like there was a reason for me to have a Wii U outside of Smash Brothers. So. No, I mean, I agree, man. I, I, I got a Wii U. I was a very early adopter, and, like, I wanted to believe in it. I wanted to believe that Nintendo was going to be able to deliver with, like, weaker power. But um, they didn't. I mean, like, the consoles, like, honestly, I, I called it on the Slackcast all the time. It's a dumpster fire of a console. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's got it's got plenty of good games, but its controller's a fucking Fisher-Price toy. And, you know, that drove up the cost of it, and it was a quarter as powerful as its competition, which was competition, you know, like they were competing with those consoles, whether they wanted to say they were or not. And, you know, you look at the Switch and it's just like, for the longest time, I was making the case that I believed Nintendo should become a publisher because Nintendo's great at making software. And for many years, they've been not so great at delivering hardware. But like, I love the Nintendo Switch. You know, like the Nintendo Switch is a great console. Like, I love the way it feels. I like the controller. I even like the fucking Joy-Cons. Like, they're weird and, and gimmicky, but, like, they're not. You know, like, it seems that way until you're like, oh, shit, I have five people over to play Mario Kart and I have enough controllers for everyone. You know? And I didn't have to buy four $60 controllers. Mm. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, this is this is brilliant, you know? And, like, it's such a quality of life thing that, like, I was at my house last night and I was playing a couple rounds of Mario Kart and then my girlfriend... Uh, got home from work, she wanted me to come over, I go, pull the Switch out, throw it in my backpack, and I'm over there, you know, and I'm playing Mario Kart again. I picked up in the middle of a fucking Grand Prix. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's great. That you know, is, it's that great. is awesome. It's a yeah. great console, and if they can, can, can deliver on software in the way that it, you know, the thing that's great here is, like, I feel like we could have a beta situation on our hands, where this is, like, the... You know, the, the quintessential handheld for really core gamers. You get great indies on it. And then you have Nintendo AAA stuff. And Nintendo can't back away because they don't have another SKU. They don't have another console to focus on. So, like, think about if we had all of the Wii U exclusives and all the 3DS exclusives on one platform and how good that would have been. And, like, that's what we look like we're at. So, I don't know. You're forgetting the uh, the mini SNES that they're going to be, you know, putting out. So oh, yeah. They do have another right. console, man. Like, come they're, on. They're toys, too. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I don't I don't think that this means anything negative for, like, I think we should still be excited for Nintendo's E3 offerings. I think we're still going to get big announcements there. I think it's still going to be something really exciting to look forward to, even if they're not 
at the booth or whatever, you know? Uh, all right, so, um, last item on the list before we move on to our main console, our main console, our main topic. <laughs> our main <laughs> is, console. Uh, Phil Spencer from Microsoft ha- was interviewed by The Guardian, and he had a ton of things to say about video games. So, um, we're going to have a couple quotes here to go through, and what I think I want to do is I want to take it, like, we'll go one quote at a time, and we'll kind of have a conversation about, about each of it and unpack it so we don't get lost in the show. So, on first-party games, uh, Phil Spencer said, quote, I want to go and pre-announce a bunch of things, but we are upping our investment. There's no doubt about that. So, I think um, this, you know, seems like it's probably in direct, you know, line with their move towards, you know, shifting towards Scorpio being their main platform. Or, I mean, we'll see what happens there, right? We're not exactly sure how that's all going to shake out, but I'm assuming that when we get the Scorpio announcement that we're going to see you know, a big push for Xbox exclusives or, you know, first-party stuff from their stable of studios because they don't have nearly as many as Nintendo or Sony, but, you know, they do have, what, three or four studios there that are, like, prepared to make a solid AAA game, so they got to be working on something. I really hope so. Um, Sea of Thieves is dope. Are you allowed to talk about that yet? I, not in specifics, but I can say I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) Wait, what's what's happening here? I'm a little lost. Oh, I'm part of the uh, the Sea of Thieves. I'm not sure if it's a beta or an alpha, but like the technical test program on um Rare's like multiplayer persistent world pirate game. It's cool. so fun. That's all. That's like all that's I'm cool. allowed to say. But it's so yeah. Fun. So I've I've heard a good bit about it off camera, yeah. but <laughs> not allowed to. We're not allowed to give like full thoughts about it legally, or Andy could get us in some trouble. I, I could I could get me in some trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, like, they have that going. Rare's working on that. Um, I think Rare is split up into two teams now, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were working on something else. Um, they've got the team behind Gears of War. I can't remember their name, but, you know, they have a decent stable. Yeah, they have a 343, right? Oh, yeah, 343, yeah, who does Halo. I'm assuming we're going to hear about the next Halo at E3 this year. You're probably right on that. Yeah, I mean, I think probably a couple indies, like, it makes sense, you know, like, Xbox has definitely been very light on first-party games, and uh, Microsoft's canceled a lot of games in the last, like, year or so. So, I think they're probably holding their cards pretty close to their chest right now, because I think they really want to come out strong uh, with the Scorpio announcement, and, you know, really, hopefully have, like, a kind of coming-out party for it, like PlayStation 4 did, you know, back in that, that February conference, you know, in 2012. Just- want to have a coming out party for this console that we dropped the ball with four years ago yeah i mean you know what but like we've talked about it it's like phil spencer was not at the helm of the ship when that was the case and that's very true and he's great yeah i mean like he's the only reason that xbox has been able to turn it around you know so like i'm excited to see what the new direction of xbox is under his leadership and his vision you know bold prediction cuphead gets canceled (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. That game's been in development hell for a... That game should have been out two years ago. And every time I see it, it looks worse. Yeah, like, they just... They keep adding things. And they're not working. And and they're not working, yeah. They did, like, a demo at... I don't know if it was at E3 or at something else last summer. I think it was E3. Where they were, like... People complained when the original trailer was just, like, it's just the Boss Rush Mega Man game. And so Mm -hmm. they added, like, platforming levels that were terrible. Yeah, they just look very... Boring. Very bad. And like just yeah. blocky. You know, like not not clean pulp. So I'm hoping that that game gets salvaged because it looks amazing, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the truth. 
Um, All right, so next up, uh, he was saying on Netflix's influence on the games market, quote, the storytelling ability in TV today is really high, and I think it's because of the business model. I hope as an industry we can think about the same. Subscription services might spur new story-based games coming to market because there's a new business model to help support their monetization. So I think this is particularly interesting because we know that Xbox is going to be debuting a Netflix-style subscription service sometime in the next year or so. Um, I would imagine you're probably the launch of Scorpio. Um, so it's, I don't think we have like exact specifics on like money or what it's going to cost or anything like that. But the plan seems to be that it'll be a service where you have access to most modern games, games that have come out fairly recently, and they'll be kind of like cycled out, um, on a, you know, fairly regular schedule. And, uh, if you're playing a game and you have the service, you have unlimited access to it, you get a download of it. So it's not a streaming service. You don't have to worry about internet or anything like that. Um, but you download it. And then when it is rotated out, you no longer have access to it unless you buy it at a discount. So, um, that's a pretty interesting thing in and of itself. So to hear that they're now talking about how they might have like software, you know, maybe they'll have software that's exclusive to the subscription service. That'd be really cool. Yeah. This is a fascinating concept. Uh, I think I think it could work. I I've always wanted there to be something along these lines. I think uh, I can't remember what it's called right now, but there's the subscription service you can get for games. Gamefly. Gamefly. There you go. Yeah. And I I always thought that that was interesting, but the way that the way it works, where you have to send in send the game back in to get a new game and all that stuff, I always thought it was a little clunky. Uh, I think the way that Netflix works would work well for video games but there's a few things you really have to get right in order to I think make this something that a lot of people want to buy into uh, for me personally I probably wouldn't do it for the for the Microsoft uh, slate of games just because I don't feel like their history is, is as solid as like say Sony's just to clarify um, it would include third party games as well right but I feel like Whenever I'm thinking about a console, I think about their first-party games because third-party stuff you can get wherever. So it, when I'm thinking about something like this, I'm thinking about can I get the the core games that are really going to keep me around for a while. And with Microsoft, I don't really feel like uh, from the first-party perspective they've really offered that. That being said, though, the opportunity for indie developers to maybe take take advantage of this and put games out through this uh that could be really interesting yeah i mean i to me where i think like the real value is for something like this is for it's for two very specific kinds of gamers in my mind i think if you're somebody like thompson who plays like a shit ton of games like and you body them you know like you get through the entirety of a game quickly um this could be really valuable because if you're spending eight bucks a month but you can finish four sixty dollar games a month you're getting incredible value for your buck there, you know? Uh, and you're going to be a lot more adventurous. You're going to play games that you weren't going to play before because you don't have to spend that $60 price tag on a game that you don't know if you're really going to like, but you can jump in and try it. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Um, but then the other person I feel like this is very valuable for is for, I think, the kind of middle-of-the-road gamer, you know, is, like, not not the casual, but the guy who's not an enthusiast, not someone who, like, watches Let's Plays and Twitch streams and has a podcast about video games, but they play three or four big games a year, you know, they play Call of Duty, they play Madden, you know, maybe they pick up one big open world game a year or something like that. And that person 
same kind of thing where this might be a good way for them to get a better sampling of what's available to them, you know, and like, you know, maybe they only bought Call of Duty before, but maybe this time, oh, well, Battlefield's out a month before Call of Duty, so I'll give that a shot, you know, and, and I'll, I'll try it. And I think that could be really valuable to that kind of person as well, because it'll encourage them to play a lot more games and be a little more adventurous in what they play. I would definitely say I've evolved into that gamer, because outside of World of Warcraft and Heroes of the Storm, I don't really, I don't really spend a lot of time playing games on consoles and stuff. So for me, again, if this existed for Sony on the PlayStation, uh, there are a lot of games that have released that I would love to play that I haven't bought because I know I'm not going to sit down and beat them because I have games that are in their wrappers right now, like The Last of Us, that I just haven't played yet. I know that's like sacrilege. <laughs> Um, Sorry, <laughs> that cuts deep, but it's okay. <laughs> so I feel like this is something that could benefit me if it were being presented to me by Sony and not Microsoft. I get that. I definitely think, like, you know, as far as, like, first-party market goes, like, Sony has, uh, you know, a way, like, Microsoft's just not even on, on the same level as Sony and Nintendo for what they have to offer there, you know? Yep. Um, all right, so our last quote from um, from Spencer is, uh, again, on single-player games in a market that is becoming increasingly multiplayer-focused. He said, quote, As an industry, I want to make sure that both narrative-driven single-player games and service-based games have the opportunity to succeed. I think that's critical for us. So I think this is pretty interesting, too, because that is one thing where I definitely feel like we've seen Microsoft uh, kind of trail behind. I think most of Sony's big exclusives are single-player, story-driven experiences. And a lot of the, the Microsoft stuff seems to be more multiplayer-focused. You know, like, the two big Microsoft properties I think of when I think Microsoft exclusive are, like, Halo and Gears of War. And those are both... They both have a story. They're both, you know, have a solid... Uh, uh, there are a camp of people that love that world and those universe and those characters, but I feel like the big draw is kind of the multiplayer. Yeah, big time. And I think I think that's probably a lesson that I, as a gamer, learned early, which is that if you want that single player experience, you 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 definitely want to pick up whatever console it is that Sony has on the market at that time. Uh, but if you want the hardcore multiplayer experience, you go with Xbox. All my friends have Xbox Ones because they want to play Halo, they want to play Call of Duty, and they, you know they want that experience. And I think that that's cool, but I feel like in order to be truly uh, competitive and to serve all audiences, you have to provide every kind of experience. Yeah. So I really hope that they, that they up their single-player offerings in the future. I know, I, I totally agree. I, I haven't even looked at an Xbox One until recently, just because of that fact alone. Like, I don't really want to get on games and like at the end of the day be like oh let me competitive halo you know tonight or something that's not like bad but it's not what i want to do as a you know like a letdown i would rather do like a single player thing or anything that's really more engaging that i can take my time with that i don't have to like be stressed about um so i know like i always look for the sony side of things first usually <laughs> um and then there's you know like it's not that the Xbox One doesn't have titles I want, it's just that it's probably like a three-to-one ratio at any given time. So I just kind of just don't even look at it after a while, you know, like, what do you say it came out like four years ago now? Something I, like that. Yeah, I don't think I looked at it until this year. 
So it's it's been a while that I just like it's not it doesn't exist in my world sometimes, you know? <laughs> like I see a commercial for it, I'm like, Oh yeah, Xbox is out there, I forgot about that, you know. And then a lot of the um the exclusives weren't really exclusives I found out. There's a lot of things that are on both anyway, so I might as well just get it on the one that I've already got. I don't wanna buy a new system just to play like two games that I didn't play or like three that I didn't play at the time. But you know, if you had like a service like to catch up like you were saying earlier, I mean that's that's pretty much what I would get one for now to catch up on, you know. And I think um to your point too, a big problem is like a lot of the Xbox exclusives are on Windows ten because of that yeah. whole thing that they've and, done. And, so yeah. They've also and I I've think, got a computer, so Yeah. That helps. <laughs> like if you're if you're a core gamer and you have a PC and a console, which is I think kind of increasingly becoming common, um, or more common, it's like in my mind, like I feel like the Xbox is increasingly like only really catering to the kind of gamers that Sean is talking about or that was talking about, you know, like the people that only play a couple games a year and they really like shooters or Madden or whatever, like those big titles, but they don't, you know, necessarily care about like single player experiences as much or whatever. Um, Because, you know, if you are like a super core gamer, you're probably playing on PC. And if you are, uh, like, if you aren't, rather, then, like, you probably have a PS4, because, like, the PS4 is more common and has better first-party support. Um, or, again, now you also have the Switch, because for the longest time, the Wii U was, like, definitely not uh, even, like, on the map. It was not a contender. But, like, people are really interested in the Switch, and, like, Nintendo's now projecting that they think that they're going to outsell the Wii U in the first year of the Switch being on the market. So, <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah, I mean, the Switch has been out for two months, and I think I know more people who own Switches than I do who own Wii U's. I do. I do. Like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And everyone I know who owns a Switch, or who owned a Wii U, already owns a Switch. Yep. So, you know. Except I think... Sean, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I don't know. I think um, I'm interested to see what, what Xbox has coming for us this year, just because... They're down, but they're not out. You know, like they're healthy. Like the Xbox is a healthy place to game right now. It's it's a fine platform and it's doing well, but they're hungry and that's apparent. And it's gonna be really exciting to see what they do. You know, like what is their move? What are the big first party single, you know, story driven games that they're talking about? What are what is the game that's gonna make you go, fuck, I need an another Xbox. Bioshock. You know, or maybe you know, who knows? We don't know, yeah. man. It could be anything. And, like, again, this subscription service is interesting because, you know, you think about the Scorpio and what the Scorpio is promising. Why wouldn't that casual gamer that only wants to play Halo or whatever, you know, maybe they buy uh, they get a new 4K TV and they decide to buy the Scorpio because it's, quote, the most powerful console on the market and they can get this Netflix subscription thing and play their three, four games a year and then maybe they check out, you know, whatever indie titles on the front page every day. Like, I could see that being a really valuable thing for that kind of person. Sure. I also wouldn't put it past Sony to sort of, if this ends up being a 0.5 generation or just a brand new generation with the Scorpio, I wouldn't put it past Sony to drop the ball like they did with the PS3. <laughs> or, I mean, it's it's anyone's game, man. Like, Sony's definitely, as good as the PS4 is done, they still make weird decisions all the time. There's still weird Sony quirks and, like, weird business decisions that happen left and right, so... Oh, yeah. And I... You said it a bunch of times back when we were Slack and Slash, but, like, 
a Sony without competition is a Sony that makes stupid choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 the Sony that gave us the PS3 that cost $200 more than the competition and used a weird cell processor and their entire mentality was you'll figure it out we're PlayStation. I, yep. Yeah. So <laughs> no matter what a healthy Microsoft is good for the industry even if you're not a Microsoft fan and I think like people undersell how innovative Microsoft has been. You know, like they gave us Xbox Live, they gave us the the marketplace you know, they were the real reason indie games took off. Like, we owe a lot to Microsoft, so I want to see them healthy. I want to care about Microsoft again, because I love my Xbox 360. They're they're a great company. I think they have a lot to offer. But um, they're in a rough spot right now, and I'm, I'm just excited to see. I want to see what Phil Spencer does. I think seeing Xbox not have to be under the weight of his predecessor's mistakes is going to be really exciting. I would love to see Phil Spencer be the man who put Xbox in Japan. <laughs> That would be cool. Please. Yeah, because it's been a, it's a joke there, and it has been for a long time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'd like to move on now to our meat and potatoes of the show, which is going to be um, – basically, I want to just kind of open up the floor here as a chance for you guys to get to know the, the new pals, um, get to know more about me and Sean's gaming history if you're coming over from the comics, pals. So I want to give each of us to kind of give a, a brief personal gaming history uh, and like kind of like – Favorite game, maybe your first console, uh, you know, why you play games, however you want to answer that question. You know, we'll try to have a have an open discussion about that. So, does anybody want to volunteer to go first? Sure. Oh, Andy, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to volunteer Pete. So. <laughs> well, go, Sean! <laughs> Alright, so I started playing video games probably in, like, 1992, which would put me at two years old at that point to date myself. Uh, I started with the Sega Genesis so that's where I fell in the console war back then. I did not have a Super No wonder Nintendo. you don't like Zelda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, gosh, I played I played a lot of video games back then. I, I, I played almost every game that came out on that console. A special shout-out to the beat-em-ups of that era. You know, like, you, you don't really get better than that, in my opinion. Uh, games obviously are phenomenal today and far better than they used to be, but the nostalgia element and just the sort of pureness of gaming back then, I don't really think you can compete with that. Uh, I was playing that, The Adventures of Batman and Robin just the other day, and I, I mean, you know, I've beaten that game a number of times at this point, and I've been playing it for many, many years, but I don't get the same feeling gaming today as I did, you know, when I, as I do whenever I pick up and play a game like that, you know, and like, we've had conversations in the past, Pete, you feel that those games are bad, and objectively, by today's standards especially, yeah, but that doesn't matter, you know, for me, when I'm when I'm going back and playing these games. Uh, you know, the X-Men games from back then, the Spider-Man oh, games yes. from back then, you know, they're just, they're just a blast. Spider-Man and the X-Men arcade's revenge that's, from back then. Yes, absolutely, that game is so hard, dude. Uh, that's the one where you have to actually reset your console at one point, right? Oh, gosh. I know, I know it's one of the X-Men games has a puzzle. It's like you have to oh, push yes. reset. That's X, that's the original X-Men game. Uh, you get to a certain point in the game where in order to get to the last level, you actually have to reset the console. Uh, I don't know how I figured that out back then. I don't know how anyone would have. but So just to speed things up a little bit, I, I, I jumped on the PlayStation train very early had a lot of great experiences with that console uh 
like I said, I have siblings, many of them, so I spent a lot of time playing multiplayer games uh, after the Sega Genesis because by that point they were too old to tell them, no, you're too young to play with me. Uh, so my N64 days were spent largely playing multiplayer games. Um, I want to say around uh, 14 or 15 when Warcraft came out, I stopped playing a lot of the single-player games altogether just because I was so invested in playing Warcraft, but also games like uh, Command & Conquer, uh, Red Alert, and things like that. Um, and so I, I, unfortunately, I definitely missed out on a lot of single-player experiences that I could have had. Uh, some of them I went back and have played since then. Um, but uh, my love for gaming will never will never end, regardless of the fact that I've I've transitioned out of being a hardcore daily console player. Now I'm more on the PC, uh, just because I spent a lot of time on on the computer. A lot of my work is done there, so it's just kind of my home base, I guess. Uh, but I'll always have a great love and affection for console games, uh, especially uh, Sony, just because they've, I, they've been a big part of my life for so long. Um, and I've got a lot of fond memories from Smash Brothers to uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. I see you, Pete. Um, <laughs> Showing off my PlayStation tattoo. <laughs> These colors don't run, baby! That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pass it off, but uh, life I do, I just... Before before you're done though, Sean. So why why do you game? Why do I game? I game, boy. Part of it is habitual. You game, boy. <laughs> <laughs> part of it is habitual. I think. Please, Sean, three DSs. <laughs> I do three DS. Um, part of it is habitual. I've been playing games my whole life, so it's just a thing that I do. Uh, part of it is definitely escapism. Uh, there have been periods of my life where video games without them i don't know where i would have been um especially world of warcraft that's a whole other can of worms um but also to be honest uh it's fuel you know i i'm a creative person i'm a creator that's what i want to do with my life and video games provide a lot of opportunity uh not to not to steal ideas but to to get the juices flowing you know what i mean uh, you play a game with a great story where there are great ideas that, you know, will get you wanting to go and write, you know? Um, and that's a lot of why I still play a lot of those games because they are inspiring. You know, the best, to me, the best games are not only fun gameplay experiences, but they inspire you, whether it's to uh, live a better life or be a better creator or, you know, whatever the lessons that you learn from games you can take with you. Uh, into your life and, and, and create and, uh, you know, live this thing we call life and, and make it beautiful. And games are a big part of that. Well said, man. That was nice. That was. <laughs> I don't want to um, follow that. <laughs> all right, fine. I will. Um, okay, so uh, for me, I've been playing video games I'm basically for as long as I can remember. Um, this is kind of a well-worn story over on the Slack cast, so if you've heard it before, uh, forgive me. But for, for new listeners... Um, I, my first exposure to video games came when I was, I want to say like three years old, probably. Um, my mother was a freelance, um, like interior designer. So I was constantly going on jobs with her before I was in school. And, um, she had this one client that she worked with for like something like six months. She like did a bunch of rooms in her house. 
Um, so I was like spending almost every day over at this person's house. I was like this little kid. I didn't really have anything to do. And she had two uh, teenage sons who um, had like a really impressive collection of video games. And um, basically the very first time I went over there, uh, their mother sent me upstairs and was like, yeah, go, go find the boys. You know, they'll, they'll give you a game to play or the, you know, they'll, they'll keep you busy. Um, so I went up there and, um, you know, God bless these kids. Cause you know, they didn't, they didn't know me. I'm this like little three-year-old kid who's coming up into their room and bugging them. Um, but they were really nice to me and they kind of plot me down and, uh, gave me controller, Super Nintendo and, uh, had me play Super Mario World. And that was like the very first game I ever played. And, um, over that like six month period, I played, all kinds of stuff, you know, they had me play a lot of platformers and, like, kid games, but days when they were, like, out or they were at school or whatever, um, I, uh, I, like, I played, like, Mortal Kombat, I played, like, a ton of, ton of stuff that was, like, not age-appropriate, um, but that kind of spurred, like, a, an interest in games for me that I ended up having pretty much the rest of my life. Uh, I graduated the first grade, and I got my first console, I got a Game Boy, and a copy of Pokemon Blue, which was the first game I ever owned. Um, cause I had like gotten into the anime and the trading cards earlier that year. So yeah. it was like when Pokemon kind of like first took off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that was the yeah, first anime you. I ever yeah. watched. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who, uh, I stayed over at his house and he was like, Oh, check out these Pokemon cards. And he's like, there's a cartoon. So like, I went home, watched the cartoon that weekend and I was in, you know, like that was it. So I got my Game Boy and that was kind of my first exposure to games, like on a personal level. And, uh, I played all the time, you know, it's like, I, like I said, I was an only child. So, you know, Pokemon was great because it was an experience that when I was by myself, there was always something to do, you know, it was a great single player RPG experience, but I could also battle with my friends or trade or have like a gym in my neighborhood and stuff like that. So that was also kind of another big thing for me, which is why I think I love games and why I've stuck with games is that, um, they're a really great way to connect with people. You know, like I, I have a lot of, a lot of my, my closest relationships are forged not only because of games, but because of art in general, you know? Um, every single one of you guys that I'm, I'm here with today, I know and am tight with because we bonded over a mutual love of something, you know, of, of some game or some comic or whatever. So I think not only on the, you know, personal satisfaction of, um, of just enjoying good art, you know, that it was a really great way for me to come out of my shell and, and kind of like connect with people, you know, even from a young age. And, um, that carried well into my adolescence. And then, um, on a personal level, I think similar to Sean, uh, video games when I was a kid were a really important, uh, form of escapism for me. You know, it was like, I came from like, I, not that I had like a particularly rough childhood or anything, but you know, um, my mother has some mental issues and her, and my father used to fight a lot. And it was just kind of like, a loud, noisy household at times, and it was always a, a kind of an easy place for me to retreat to when I needed silence, you know, or when I needed, like, to not feel um, that, like, stress or whatever, you know, is, like, to be able to go and, you know, plop down in front of the screen and, like, really just connect with something and kind of shut everything else out that was, that was really, you know, uh, trying at that time. Um, and that's something that games have still been for me, you know, like, um, when I was in college and, you know, had like low points of just like feeling overworked and stressed out and miserable. And even when I still feel that way, you know, as an adult, um, as a working adult, like it's the easiest way for me to kind of unplug and get away from the stress and, you know, like get away from it all, you know, is like just to get engaged in a really like full satisfying world, you know, and get lost in a narrative and feel like I'm somewhere else for a little while. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. I think we can all resonate with that. Oh, definitely. So, um, you want me to go, Andy? Oh, I I was gonna jump in, but you can go if you'd like. Oh, yeah, sure. Go you. for it, Andy. Your call. Go for it. Okay. So I'm um, <laughs> I'm not being hyperbolic at all when I say video games literally saved my life one time. Uh, when I was, I think four, maybe this is one of my earliest memories. I was real sick. I had a stomach virus like move into my brain. And so I was in the hospital for a week and just like I was wasting away because the hospital food was terrible and I wouldn't eat or drink anything. And so my dad shows up and has gone to like the, the games room in the pediatrics wing of this hospital, wheels back a cart with an NES and a TV on it. Um, a big-ass bag of potato chips and some Gatorade. <laughs> and me and my dad stayed up, like, all night playing Super Mario Brothers 3, and I didn't notice that I was guzzling Gatorade, which, you know, got me hydrated enough to, like, pull through and not die as a four-year-old. Wow. How have I never heard this story yeah, wow. before? Never heard that one. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so I played Super Mario with my dad all night, and it was great. Um, Super Mario Brothers 3, best Super Mario Brothers game. No wonder that's your favorite. <laughs> I mean, also, it's the best. <laughs> it's also the best. It only saved my life, but it's like it's okay. <laughs> um, but since then, like, I I didn't have a console until I was eleven. I had a Game Boy. Played my Pokemon Yellow was the first video game I ever owned. But I grew up playing like Star Wars games and point and click adventures with my parents. Um, I have like a lot of real early memories of playing like Quest for Glory. Which is like, what if Skyrim was a point-and-click adventure, but better? Because <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very good pitch for a game. <laughs> um, and like Jedi Knight, played the original Jedi Knight back in the day. Uh, that was my first first time I ever got called any like homophobic slurs on the internet. Was when I was <laughs> seven years old and terrible at Jedi Knight. <laughs> um, so I've been gaming for most of my life and to go back to what Pete said about escapism that's a big part of why I game now like it's why I like fantasies and like big RPG experiences because like sure I'm not you know the prince of insomnia which is the dumbest title of <laughs> a city ever Final Fantasy 15 <laughs> I don't get to go on cool emo road trips with my boy bands to find magic weapons and, I don't know, kill the Emperor. It's been forever since I played that game and the plot was confusing when I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really not wrong. It's pretty, it's pretty spot on. <laughs> but, like, it's fun to, you know, pretend to be that and turn off the stresses of the outside world and instead carry the weight of a pretend nation on my back. Or uh, to go to Persona 5 to, like, steal people's hearts and make them turn into good people <laughs> yeah man i think um i think like speaking of that too a big thing for me is like i love that i think games are a really good medium for giving you like a diversity of experience you know it's like whenever i play a game i do kind of like internalize a character to a certain degree so like you know um like playing a game where like you're playing as like a woman you know or like like i'll never be a woman but, like, for a moment, I'll put myself in the shoes of someone else and think, like, you know, like, what is this like for this person? You know, like, one of my favorite games um, of the last couple of years is this game Life is Strange. And, like, you play as an 18-year-old girl in high school, you know? And it's like, I've never been an 18-year-old girl in high school, but, like, I could relate to those feelings of, like, 
feeling like an outsider or feeling like isolated or, you know, feeling like, you know, you don't know what you're supposed to do. You know, like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, but you're not really capable of like making the decisions you need to make or whatever. Wait, Pete, um, are you telling me that you've never been a nine-year-old girl in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be Clementine? I don't, but I feel like I do. <laughs> is it because Clementine somehow is the only person in that in the second season with a moral center? Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, hey, sometimes you just gotta let the children lead the way, you know what I mean, Andy? Sometimes you just gotta let your children, who some reason are wise adults in nine-year-old girls' bodies. <laughs> She's seen some shit. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, Andy, so I think uh, one thing that you've also said a couple times when we, we brought this topic up is that, like, you're just, like, a very game-minded person. Like, you oh, turn yeah. everything in life into a game. I turn everything into a game. If I'm driving up the parkway, I find a person, I'm racing them. Um, I make it my mission not to let this, you know, one random dick on the parkway in front of me. because he, <laughs> he tried to pass me on the right, so obviously, like, he's a monster and yeah. I have to outrun him. <laughs> and just like, you know, work is a sport of how many drinks can I make in 20 minutes or... I don't know. I'm like not a super competitive person, but I turn everything into a competition. It's a it's a weird like blend. Andy, not a super competitive person unless you target him in a game of magic, oh. and then he becomes. Palatine. Oh well, magic's a whole different story. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, also magic's great. We should be the Magic the Gathering pals. <laughs> Dude, I'd make a Magic the Gathering podcast. Let's do it. Well, <laughs> we'd have to know way more about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> magic the pals. <laughs> Pals the Gathering. Oh shit! There we go. That's what we. That's what we call when we have a live event in the future. Book it. Um, <laughs> we could start a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast Dude, and call it King of Pals. I'm there for that. <laughs> wow. Sean Bartley, that's the most powerful pal in all of the comics. Pals. <laughs> I play my Sean Bartley card face down in attack mode. <laughs> You have activated my trap, Pete. <laughs> you said Pete was never going to be a girl. <laughs> well, all right, Thompson, you ready? Yeah, sure. Um, my gaming history starts at the age of four when I played Doom on the PC. Wow. Um, Wait, Thompson, I thought it started at 12 when Seto Kaiba stole your grandpa's deck. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have something that cool. Uh, Robert Thompson, the last little girl in Japan. <laughs> I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> yeah, so I started playing Doom. It was the first game I ever played, and it gave me horrible nightmares, but I persevered, and I beat all of hell. And, you know, I think I was five when I finished it. So everything on was on the table after that. Um, I got a, a Super Nintendo the year it came out. I think I was I was six then. So I played Street Fighter for like, I don't know, a week straight without like going to bed probably um, at like the age of five or six because, you know, start young. And <laughs> I pretty much played everything on the Super Nintendo. Um, I had an Atari and my dad rather had an Atari and a just NES. And I didn't really like play them as much because I had a Super Nintendo, but I did play them. Um, every console that came out from the Super Nintendo, um, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, Xbox, uh, Xbox 360, um, 
the only things I never got were a Wii, a Wii U, and an Xbox One, pretty much. So I've always gamed. I've always had like the latest console, even if I waited like a year. But I always got everything, pretty much. Shout out to being an only child, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it, I mean. Hey, we were, I wasn't like we didn't have no money. I just saved everything I could when I started getting money, and I started working at like sixteen, I think. So, I mean. You know, my parents were nice enough to, like, every, like, Christmas if I wanted something, like, yo, well, let's get you the Super Nintendo when you're five or whatever. So that was nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I played, like, you know, StarCraft came out in 97. So, like, I was always on the computer also. So in between, like, I really did play a lot of games, man. Like, um, in between, you know, everything else, I'd, I'd be playing StarCraft or, like, Diablo 2. Or, like, I was always a big Blizzard fan when, you know, like, when I was a lot younger, especially. Um and then, like, uh, let's see, Command and & Conquer and everything, like, RTSs was where, like, I always played on the computer. There really isn't anything, like, I didn't play. Maybe, like, racing games or, like, sports games. But that's, like, pretty much it. Because, like, I didn't want to, like, in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to go outside and throw basketballs and, and play football. <laughs> I'm going to do that inside. So... Um, oh, so when you went outside, you were regularly fighting demons or... I uh... mean, in my mind... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, in high school, Thompson only became friends with you so that he could fuse more powerful personas <laughs> of the Chariot Arcana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I knew I knew that much, but <laughs> you got your social link level up to ten, so he gets this nice like experience boost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I've met every one of you guys, or almost every person I know today that I'm still friends with through video game experience. Like, even even UP, like the first time I went over your house and Spaz was there. Um, you know, he was saying that his grandfather was like the president of Nintendo. So I was like, "Oh, cool! I don't know this guy, and he's he's a crazy <laughs> man." So like, let's meet him through. Like, I think we played Smash or something. You know, like yeah. the first time. So it's just like been a part of my life in every way possible. You know, I've always I mean, had. Shit, man. You know, uh, not to cut in, but I was no, just, no, so, what? based on that. Like, I remember um, the way that you and I really became like really close friends because like we've been friends for years. But I remember like. When we got to the point where we were like best friends hanging out like every day was because I got dumped by my first real girlfriend uh, yeah. like a week into college. And yeah, I remember yeah. like you knew I was depressed and you just literally were like, hey, man, like you want to hang out? Like and you came over every night. And we just played video games. Yeah. I mean, it, that leads into like what you guys are all saying. Like it's it's a huge form of escapism for me. But um, I, I I've always like had. um some kind of like creative aspect that I want to bring out and video games always like inspire that. And then I never act on it. Cause I'm like, I want to do the next game. So like I always get like a lot of D and D ideas and stuff. So I kind of translated it to there rather than like something else. Um, so, I mean, you know, games have just been in my life from like the earliest point I can almost remember until now, even, you know, uh, I was playing heroes of the storm before we got on here. Um, and you know, I get like I get like the, the itch for it, you know. Like if I even like when I went to visit Matt and Molly in Michigan, you know, I was like shit, like two days in, I'm like, uh, hey, can I put your PlayStation on? Just like, you know, to try something? And Matt's like, I mean, I guess, and it's like, yeah, I just I just gotta play something, man. Like I didn't bring my three DS, like fuck. <laughs> so, um, I mean that's that's pretty much it though. I play games like for a living, you know, without making money. And that's like <laughs> that's where I wanna be. I wanna play them. I would love to always somehow be like involved with games you know even if i'm like 80 and i can't see i want to have like you know implanted in my brain like the video game chip or something you know like just <laughs> directly like goes into my my subconscious or something i don't know just yeah i love games by, 
by that point, Sean will have downloaded his personality into his World of Warcraft character. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I would live out my... Di- if you guys ever watched a show called Overlord, it's it's a it's an anime, it's like 12 episodes long. It's basically, what if World of Warcraft was ending, and there was this one guy that was on there, and he's logged in at the last minute, and like all of his level, like 2,000 friends are like signing off, and he's just so sad that the game has come to an end, like 12 years of his life, over. And then the game ends, and it still plays, and he's like, oh shit. I'm actually in the game now. This is fucking awesome. So, like, that's pretty much what I would love to do. I'd love to go out that way. I, I don't care, like, if I'm going to lose my corpse, you know, in the process. If I get to go be, like, an online avatar that can, like, do the highest level magic and shit, like, yeah, sign me up. It's a good way to go. The bad news is, if I were to upload my personality to a WoW character, I'd stand in the fire. <laughs> It would be like Baron's chat all day, every day. Oh, God. It's like, just because I'm in a game doesn't mean I'm not depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't die, yet I must burn. <laughs> oh, my God, that's dark. Uh. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to wrap up the first ever episode of the Video Game Pals. Thank you guys so much for joining us here. Uh, if you guys like the video and you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you like it, share it with a friend, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, and share it with a friend. You know, get another pal out there. Um, if you guys are listening on, uh, you know, iTunes, please make sure to leave us a five-star rating where we are currently a five-star rated podcast. I mean, this show, it's basically the same, only it's about video games and there's no fill. So I think this has <laughs> got to be like a six-star rated show, at least. So, um, you know, leave us leave us a positive rating. If you've got a negative one, we'll take it. You know, whatever. Whatever you think it's worth. Uh, if you're on SoundCloud, any of those other platforms, you know, like it, share it, any of that stuff. Um, if we're not on your favorite podcast platform yet, I think we're on most of them, but let us know uh, anywhere you can hit us up and we will gladly get on there. Uh, if you want to send in an email, have a random question of the week, tell us any of your thoughts on any of the news items that we discussed, tell us why you game, what your gaming history is, and you want to hear that right on the air, you can send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's thecomics with an S, pals at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read it on the air for you. Um, did I miss anything, Sean? You're usually the hostess with the mostest here. You you got it, man. You got it. Yes! Alright, cool. So we will catch you guys next week for another episode of the Video Game Pals. Thanks for joining. We love ya. Take care. Bye, guys.